Blessed be your name, God, forever and ever. To you belong wisdom and might. You change times and seasons. You remove kings and set up kings. You give wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. We ask you, Lord, for the gift of wisdom now for each one of us as we come to your word. Help us to get life right. Help us to listen closely and help us to grow in our fear and our love of you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, whose voice will you listen to? Uh, My wife and I had a bit of a parenting moment earlier on this week with our son Archie. Uh, We were picking up our two boys from preschool last Tuesday and Archie, our eldest boy, wanted to know, Dad, Mum, why can't I go trick-or-treating tonight for Halloween? Like Dana and Lizzie and Jackie Boy and everyone else from preschool. It starts early, doesn't it? Well, these are some of the competing voices in our impressionable five-year-old's life right now. And so we walked home together, talking with Archie about why, at least in our family, we prefer not to celebrate darkness and death. We pointed out some of the decorations around the cobwebs and spiders and skulls and skeletons along our street, explaining how we're not into that. We're Christians and God wants us to celebrate the light because Jesus is the light of the world. And so we celebrate life. And after my little explanation, uh, my wife, being the wise woman she is, suggested, why don't instead of trick-or-treating, we have a wisdom treasure hunt instead after dinner? Which went down very well with our two little boys. In fact, we had one of the better toddler dinner experiences as they greatly looked forward to looking for dessert in the backyard. And look, you might be here today with a very different parenting view about how to handle Halloween with your kids if you have them. Uh, You may have grown up in a very different family upbringing on that. Uh, Perhaps you do use Halloween for missional purposes to connect with your neighbours, and I'm not going to fight at all over that. I think it's probably in the conscience bucket more than a moral one. But I'm sharing to make a slightly different point You see, one of the best parts in that whole little interaction with my son came just a bit later on, at the end of the day when he was in the bath. And I heard him reflecting back to his mum, Mum, I know why my friends celebrate Halloween. It's because they don't know that Jesus is the light yet. And I thought, that's pretty wise from a five-year-old. But it also told me even more importantly that over and against the competing voices, our son had listened to our voice. Well, as we come to look at Proverbs chapter 8 together, our big question is this this morning. Why is wisdom's voice worth listening to? And if you're writing any notes this morning, three points. Point number one, wisdom's urgent plea. Point number two, wisdom's unique personification. And point number three, wisdom's ultimate preparation. Point number one, wisdom's urgent plea. Now, just before we do dive into this passage properly and do open it up if you haven't already, I do just want to take a moment to get our bearings on where we are first. 
Uh, If you've been with us the past few weeks, uh, we've been working our way through the introduction to Proverbs. The second half of our series, we're going to get nitty-gritty, practical with a bunch of themes and topics, but for now we're in the prologue to the book, Getting Ready, which is made up of a series of poetic speeches mostly addressed from a father to his son or sons. Each one urges him to get life right. Proverbs, from the opening verses, we're told is Solomon's wisdom. It's like God's inspired training manual for life. How is it so? It instills a fear of the Lord in a person and it commends the right kind of listening. Listening to wisdom's voice over and against the competing voices of different forms of folly. And the stakes are really high. Uh, If you were with us last week in chapters 5 to 7, David took us through that case study where the son was being warned by his father, son, don't be intoxicated with another man's wife. David reminded us, the Proverbs teach us that actions have consequences. And that really is a key principle underlining all all of the Proverbs that are yet to come. But these first nine chapters in the introduction are getting us ready for that practical wisdom to follow in chapters 10 to 31. And they're doing so really by boiling everything down into one main decision of our hearts. Who are you going to listen to? Will you listen to the voice of wisdom or will you listen to the voices of folly? And you might remember how last week's section actually ended quite ominously. If you've got it open, just have a glance at the end of Proverbs chapter 7 from verse 24. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or strain to her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. So yes, the stakes are very high when it comes to who you will listen to. Which brings us, though, to this great climactic passage, chapter 8 in the book so far. Why is wisdom's voice worth listening to? Well, have a look at it with me at wisdom's urgent plea, chapter 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? The burden of Proverbs 8 is that wisdom's voice is most definitely worth listening to. And here are seven reasons why, in verses 1 to 21. Firstly, because she addresses us directly. Notice the first in a series of contrasts here with what's come beforehand Unlike all of the chapters before this, ha- uh, before this one, it is no longer the father or the mother or the wise teacher instructing their son or their children. Instead, now we hear wisdom's voice calling directly to us. And we met her very briefly at the end of chapter 1. Well, here again, she's personified as the voice of a woman but in a much more sustained and extended form. Secondly, wisdom's voice is worth listening to because she positions herself publicly and she speaks with urgency. Have a look at verses 2 and 3. 
At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city at the entrance, she cries aloud. Notice another contrast here. Unlike the wayward woman in chapter 7 before who skulks in the alleyways at night in darkness, woman wisdom here, by contrast, is out in the open. She wants to be as visible and as audible as possible. Thirdly, wisdom's voice is worth listening to because she's addressing all of us in her call. Verses 4 and 5. To you, O people... I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Notice another contrast. Woman wisdom is not after the heart of one man, like the seductress of chapter 7. No, she's after the heart of every person on earth without discrimination. And her plea is especially to the simple ones, the naive, the uncommitted, the young. But it's also to everyone in need of wisdom. And what is wisdom's urgent plea? In one word, look at the start of verse 6. Listen! Why? Fourthly, because of the outstanding quality of wisdom's words. Verse 6 continues. For I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. For my lips detest wickedness. And again, notice how the character of wisdom's words compares with some of the previous voices that we've heard and been warned about in Proverbs so far. Back in chapter 2, we were cautioned, verse 12. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways. In chapter 5, we were warned, verse 3, for the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, And her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. In chapter 6, we were warned against, verse 12, a troublemaker and a villain who goes about with a corrupt mouth. But Lady Wisdom's words are altogether different, for she tells us in Proverbs 8, verse 8, All the words of my mouth are just, none of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Well, fifthly, wisdom's voice is worth listening to because she's exceedingly valuable. Verses 10 and 11 go on, choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. It's a massive claim that wisdom makes here, isn't it? I wonder if you and I believe her. Perhaps if I reframe this truth into a probing question, what's the most precious asset you and I can have in our life? To be wealthy? To be powerful? To be famous? No, if we're listening, it's to be wise. Reason number six, wisdom's voice is worth listening to as well because of her moral character. Verse 13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, 
and perverse speech. You see, wisdom brings us into alignment with God's own heart, and that includes hating evil. Don't you hate it? When you see symptoms of pride and arrogance in your own life, I hate seeing it in myself. All too often, I'm ashamed to say. And we are called as Christians to keep waging war with pride and arrogance in particular. Put it to death and walk humbly with our God. I called my mother earlier this week uh, to check in with her about how two of my younger siblings are going. They're both high school students at St Andrew's Cathedral School. After that horrific act last week, which I'm sure that most of you will remember. And my mum told me that my younger sister burst into tears when she found out the name of the staff member who'd been found dead. And she said my younger brother went very quiet for a few days after finding out the awfulness of what his previous cricket coach had done and become. And mum said he kept coming back to her for hugs in the days that followed. Fourteen. I'm sure the closer you were, the more awful it is, and still is. And yet it's right for all of us, citywide, to feel shaken by such violent, arrogant wickedness. The world was robbed of someone precious. And yet weren't they powerful words from the principal of that school the next day, Dr. Uh, Julie McGonagall, who is a Christian herself, wrote, The horrors of evil do not and will not define our community. And there is an example of siding with Lady Wisdom. Because the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And so do please pray for wisdom for Julie and for their chaplain Craig Tubman and for all of the other staff in the weeks and months still to come, because wisdom herself possesses all the qualities needed to rule by any good and just leader in the public sphere. And we see it in verse 14 onwards. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight, I have power. By me kings rule, reign, and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me princes govern. And nobles, all who rule on earth. Why is wisdom's voice worth listening to? Well, lastly, for this section, because wisdom earnestly wills to be found. Verse 17. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. And we're told wisdom's reward is very great. Verse 19, my fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the ways of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. In other words, wisdom brings real advantages. She overflows with riches and honor. Wealth and righteousness, and yet not to be misunderstood here, her reward is better than gold or silver. Well, this has been wisdom's urgent plea to our hearts. Will you listen to me? Will you love me? Will you seek me above all else? 
Which brings us so to our second point and the second half of the passage. Point two, wisdom's unique personification, verses 22 to 36. Why is wisdom's voice worth listening to? Because there is no one else like her. She's unique. Firstly, because she's older than the universe. Secondly, because our world was created in and through wisdom. Woman wisdom who's been calling us was herself present with God when he created the world. Have a look at verse 22. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. The word brought forth, perhaps better, possessed me as the first of his works before his deeds of old. Now, it's worth being clear here from the get-go because it's quite a famous verse in Proverbs 8 with lots of debate and commentary throughout church history. But remember, in context, wisdom throughout this passage is an attribute of God, which is being personified. It is being spoken of in personal terms, through a poetic device. That's what we're in, long-form poetic speeches, personification. So what we're, we're not being introduced to a literal female divine character here. No, wisdom as an attribute of Yahweh the Lord God in covenant with the children of Abraham is being dramatized as a beautiful woman. And it's quite a powerful literary device right throughout this passage, which we'll reflect on a little later more. But notice here firstly, wisdom's uniqueness. She's older than the universe. Verse 23, I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. Wisdom has priority and rank above all of creation. And see the pairs that follow. Verse 24, she pre-exists the watery depths and the springs. Verse 25, she's ahead of the mountains and the hills. Verse 26, she precedes the fields and the dust of the earth. You might not all be familiar with this illustration, but there's a light comic movie I saw a few years ago called The Intern. And it stars Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro, where Hathaway plays the role of a workaholic CEO, Jules, at the helm of a fashion website company. And Robert De Niro plays Ben, a 70-year-old widower who becomes her senior intern. And they form an unlikely friendship. Because even though Ben's perceived by his colleagues as extremely old, old, old... And yet it's discovered as the movie goes on that Ben has got something very valuable to give, which none of the other young staff have, although they desperately all need it. He has got real, long-lived life experience. And that's like wisdom's argument here. She is ancient, old, old, old. But that is also her ultimate strength too. Because with her age comes something completely unique, unparalleled experience of the world and of life in this world. But secondly, wisdom's voice is also worth listening to because our world was created in and through wisdom. I've been watching a bit of the Cricket World Cup here and there and it was great to see England knocked out of the cup 
uh, last night. I can see Trevor chuckling. It's how I feel. It's fantastic. And it reminded me about the last time, as I just watched and checked in on the game this morning, reminded me of the last time, and there's still hope, that the Aussie cricketers won the World Cup back in 2015 against New Zealand at the MCG. And guess what? I was there with my dad-in-law, and I tell you what, it was much better than watching any Wallabies games lately. And look, I'll leave you to share your own I was there story over morning tea, but whatever your moment is, wisdom will trump yours and mine. Have a look with me at verse 27. She says, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. Verse 28, think up and down for a moment. Wisdom was there when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. Think acrossways now, verse 29, lengthwise. Wisdom was there when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters could not overstep his command and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. There, uh, then I was constantly at his side. And you might remember back to the orderliness of the creation account in Genesis 1 and 2. There's that repetitious pattern, and it was so. In other words, wisdom here is being painted as God's very companion in the creation of this world. And that matters because it teaches us a very important order to get right, and that's this. That the origins for wisdom isn't from creation. No, creation is derived out of wisdom. Or put differently, wisdom is embedded into the very created order because it's absolutely foundational to everything that is. Which, by the way, just reminds us that this planet that we live on, in the far greater cosmos of the universe quite apart from all of the other possible planets, is neither too hot to be burned by the sun, nor is it too cold to sustain human creaturely life. No, in the words of Goldilocks and the three little bears, it's just right. And you know what? It takes, I think, far more faith to believe that all the laws of physics are a complete accident, rather than to believe that the Bible's claim that we do, in fact, live in an intelligent world which reflects its creator. But it's not just physics or intelligibility. No, there's also a moral implication to the teaching of Proverbs 8.2. For creation is not just ordered by God. No, in His wisdom, it's also morally ordered too. Which, by the way, is the kind of logic presupposed in passages like Romans Chapter 1, if you're familiar with it, remember how Paul writes, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You see, Proverbs 8 teaches us that wisdom is woven into the very fabric of God's world. 
which means when someone rebels against God the Creator, they're suppressing the truth. When someone acts wickedly in God's world, they are fighting against the very grain of what's real in the world. They are anti-reality, which is why we as Christians must never make peace with sin in our lives. Because actions will have consequences, either in this life or the next. Because God in His wisdom has so wired His world that we will be held morally accountable for how we live in it. Which is also why we are so desperately in need of a saviour too. You and I live in an intelligent world because of God's wisdom. You and I live in a morally ordered world because of God's wisdom. But at its best, we also live in a beautiful world because of God's wisdom. Remember Genesis 1. It was good over and over. And so look at how Lady Wisdom speaks in the rest of verse 30 and 31. I was filled with delight, day after day, rejoicing always in His presence, rejoicing in His whole world and delighting in mankind. You see, wisdom shares God's joy in creation. She delights in the humanity which God has made, all of it. Which brings us to the final few verses in this chapter. Why is wisdom's voice worth listening to? Reading from verse 32. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Well, wisdom's voice is worth listening to in the closing of this passage because our response to her is ultimately a matter of life and death. But I'm going to hold back on unpacking those verses further because I know more than likely that that'll be a focus next week. And so do invite someone to hear the final two invitations at the end of these introductory passages, uh, chapters in Proverbs chapter 9. But instead, let's come briefly to our final point, point three. Wisdom's ultimate preparation. Where in a moment, I want us to uh, just look at a few different passages, short ones in the New Testament, which I think help us to further reflect on, ponder what Proverbs 8 is pointing us forward to. But before we do get there, I just want to reflect for a moment on one of the unique contributions of this passage to the, both the book of Proverbs and the whole Old Testament too. And to get us there, I want you to pause for a moment and think about this question. What's the effect of the personification of wisdom in Proverbs 8? What's the effect for you and I as Bible readers that she is made into this beautiful woman? I mean, for example, we could easily turn back to Job chapter 28 and you can read there and you might in growth groups about how wisdom is described like a very precious gemstone deep down in the recesses of a deep mine. And the metaphor there serves to underline a key point about the sheer unsearchability of wisdom. It can't be fully known apart from God. It's a gift from Him. 
But Proverbs 8 is working differently. We're not given a material illustration here, and nor are we given a list of abstract propositional truths about wisdom. No, instead, wisdom is described as a person. And in so doing, Proverbs 8 is inviting you and I to get to know wisdom. How? Crucially, in a relationship. Here, wisdom's portrait is painted so attractionly. We're meant to adore her. We're we're meant to be summoned to devotion. And so again, why is wisdom's voice worth listening to? Well, because it's almost like we're being led right throughout this chapter towards a worshipful affection for wisdom. We're to become disciples of wisdom, which I think is exactly the intent intent of the whole chapter in God's big picture plan. Proverbs 8 is pointing us forward ultimately to an even greater fulfillment in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's with his first coming, his incarnation into the world in human flesh, through which we're supposed to see clearly that now someone greater than Solomon is here. And so I just want to finish our time together reading three short New Testament passages, which at least to my mind make me go, wow, I want to keep worshipping and delighting in Jesus. Starting firstly with 1 Corinthians 1 verse 24, Paul writes, But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the what? The wisdom of God. Proverbs 8 points us forward to wisdom's arrival in the person of Jesus. Secondly, Colossians 1 verses 15 and 16 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Sound familiar? For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers and authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Our world was created through Jesus and for Jesus, the very wisdom of God. And if we were to go longer, I'd take us to the start of John's Gospel, next to see Jesus, the divine, his divine identity and role in creation as the Logos. And then I'd remind us chapters onwards in that Gospel, same Gospel, John 14, how the Holy Spirit is described as what? The Counselor. To help us, among other things, to listen to Jesus' words. We could look up Colossians 2 in all the fullness of treasures of wisdom. Hebrews 1, Revelation 3.20, here I am, I'm standing, I'm knocking. But I know you'll be looking up a few of those passages in growth groups. So instead, I want to take us to that New Testament reading we heard earlier to finish. Mary and Martha. Because I know many of us are busy. Some of you are sitting here going, he's going a bit longer this time. (laughs) You and I, we're bombarded daily with all kinds of competing voices in our lives, vying for our attention. But at the end of the day, one thing is needed. So let me remind you of that beautiful story in the house with Jesus from Luke 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. 
You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Wisdom's voice in Proverbs 8, she's worth listening to because ultimately she urges you and I to worship true wisdom by delighting in the voice of our Lord Jesus. So choose what's best. To Christ be the glory. Amen.